It's exciting to see exactly how many LGBTQ characters are appearing on television and in film now. But when you make that character an alien or a mutant, does it still count as representation? I'm going to argue no on today's Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name's Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset. And on today's show, we're going to be talking about what it means when representation isn't quite representation. But before we get into all of that, hi. <laughs> so I lost my voice yesterday, but today I'm doing better. Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't bring anything back from the convention, but yay. I didn't. This was actually a panel idea that I had that was not accepted, and so I thought I would talk about it here on the show. But before we get started, if you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this podcast in whatever app you're listening to me on. It really does help out a lot. It tells the algorithm to share the podcast with more people. The more people that listen, the more people join the community. The bigger the community, the better chance we have of interacting, and after all, that's why I do this in the first place. Thank you to everybody who's already done that. So hi, how y'all doing? Representation is a very sticky issue because, well, heterosexual cisgendered audiences generally have a hard time understanding what it feels like not to be represented in media. With the exception of ethnic minorities, if you're a white, cisgendered, heterosexual person, you have grown up in this country seeing yourself in everything. And that default setting is a bit of a problem because it leads a lot of people to feel like that is the default setting. Everyone is assumed to be heterosexual and cisgendered from the get-go, and thus everyone who is not heterosexual or cisgendered, or a topic that I'm not going to delve into because of my pasty white skin, I really don't feel that I'm the person to, you know, talk about it, but also white is generally also assumed to be the default setting. So we have had quite a few characters come across lately that are LGBTQ characters. But one of the problems that I have is with making them alien, making them mutants, making them something other than a stock standard human. That poses a huge problem when it comes to representation. You see, the value of representation is, well, Hey, look, we're just like you. We're there. We're part of everything. Everything's okay. Now, I'm going to be talking a lot about Supergirl because I think they did this right and wrong simultaneously. So if you haven't seen the most recent season of Supergirl, 
I'm not going to be giving a lot of spoilers, so I the, really I'm just going to be talking about Nianol. So, if you do not know any of the backstory of Nianol and you do not want to be spoiled for it, I'm not going to spoil the overall plot of the season. But if you don't want to know who Nianol actually is or any of that, eh, spoilers are ahead. Nianol was a character that I was very excited to see come onto the show because, one, that means that DC is starting to embrace some of the weirder characters in the DC library. I was hoping this would be the case with the success of Legends of Tomorrow, which is probably, at least for my money, the weirdest show on television, and that's why I love it so much. Nianol is Dreamer. She is a person with superpowers that comes from her ability to harness dream energy. She can see the future in her dreams, and she's an interesting character. Okay. Now, I am not going to lambast the creators of Supergirl, or the showrunners, for making her half-alien. Because, at least so far, until Crisis on Infinite Earth smashes everything together, which, by the way, it better smash everything together, so all of our characters exist in the same universe, finally, which will be a great thing. The only way to be a superhero in the world of Supergirl is to be an alien. Aliens have superpowers humans do not, unless it's through some very um, direct intervention. So, by default, by bringing in a super a superhero, they have to be alien. Okay. That is a conceit of the setting. And they do a really good job with Alex. I, I'm not a lesbian, so I can't speak to any weird quirks in her writing, in the way she's written, as far as anything that I'm overly sensitive to, because I'm not, not a lesbian. But as far as a queer character on television, I really like the way that they deal with Alex. They treat her like any of the other characters. The fact that she likes women is just a thing. Now, I think they give her an overly dramatic coming out arc, but that's just because I'm kind of over coming out arcs. They did a similar thing with Dreamer. And I, I this... <laughs> This has to be the hardest thing in the world when writing trans characters. How do you reveal to the audience and to the world that the character is trans without having a coming out moment? So the first thing that I have to give them props for is they hired an actual trans actor to play a trans character. That is unconscionably rare in today's media. In fact, there's a whole thing with Scarlett Johansson going on right now about that. And I'm not going to talk about that because I have feels and they're not on Scarlett Johansson's side here. Allowing a trans actor to play a trans character is very important because Hollywood is an elite club. By allowing anyone who is cisgendered to play a trans character, it does two things. One, 
steals a role from a trans actor that could play that role with a bit of pathos and understanding that a cis actor will not be able to bring to the part because they understand transition. They understand what the character has gone through to get to that point. The second part of that is it doesn't help with representation by having a heterosexual straight cisgendered woman play a trans character. What you're doing is setting up false pretenses. Well, of course they hired a trans as a cisgendered actor to play a trans character because how else would we believe that a man could look like a woman? And trust me, I've heard that argument on numerous occasions, and it makes my blood boil. By actually allowing trans actors to play trans characters, it opens up the dialogue as to what trans people look like, who we are, what we can do in the world. And that's a big thing. That's a big thing. The second thing that they did was allowing the character to come out as trans before coming out as half alien. Now that works because she's able to utilize her own sense of marginalization to speak to the issues that were present in the episode. Very well done. Kudos to you, Supergirl. Now the problem that I have with her being half alien is okay the fact that they made her a half alien really bothers me more than if they if she had just been an alien because one of the biggest problems we in the trans community have to deal with is several slurs and i'm going to say one in a moment so trigger warning if transphobic slurs get you but one of the biggest problems that we have is people referring to us as he she's you know, half and halves. And allowing the character to be a half alien character does, in a to a certain degree, feed into that stereotype. But at the same time, allowing her to have powers that are only transferred down through the female line of the family does reinforce the idea that trans women are real women in a very powerful and wonderful way. So I would not say that trans representation in Supergirl is perfect, but I'm not going to go after them and say that they did a bad job. They did, I think, as good as they could do with the material in front of them. The problem with a lot of representation, especially as it's presented in science fiction and fantasy, is that it overlooks one of the biggest problems that any marginalized group has, that of being otherized. We are seen as other. When the default is heterosexual, anyone who is not heterosexual is other. When the default is cisgendered, anyone who is not cisgendered is other. When the default is Caucasian, anyone who is not Caucasian is other. And we can watch shows over the years as they've wrestled with this. Star Trek The Next Generation is 
fascinating in watching this. The earliest seasons, with the exception of Jordy, who is the only black human on the ship at the very beginning. And I stress that because Michael Dorn plays a like plays Worf. He plays a Klingon, which in some ways kind of feeds into a lot of stereotypes about black masculinity. In the first season, the only other major black characters we get are a very Afrocentric, Afrofuturistic, thieving world, aliens, that decide to steal a white woman. And, and that that's, that's problematic. That's extremely problematic. This show gets better over time, but you can see the othering of the non-white characters in especially that episode. TNG and many other shows have also had problems with trying to discuss topics of sexuality by one, completely misunderstanding what sexuality is. And for example, in their famous Riker falls in love with an androgyne episode, which was supposed to be about same sex relationships. Gender and sexuality are two different things, and it completely misses the point on so many levels. And then at the end, it shows that conversion therapy can work, and that's all kinds of bad messages. But these are the sorts of representation that plagued us in the 90s, and I wish had gone away. Because you don't want to other the group that you're giving representation to. When you other them, when you say, oh, yeah, we have a trans character, she's an alien, it adds, rather than subtracting, from the idea that transness is not otherness. It, in literally robbing these characters of their humanity by making them something other than human, you are feeding a narrative that is very destructive, very harmful, and has led to many, many trans and LGBT people being beaten, harassed, and murdered over the years. And now for the obligatory backpedaling that has to be inserted at this point. I'm not saying that any of these actions are done maliciously. I'm not saying that any of these actions are done because they are trying to continue the othering of these characters and these people. The problem is they, generally speaking, do not have a consultant or a writer on the program that can speak directly to the issues at hand. It's one of the reasons why when race comes up, I will condemn racism. I will say that I do not support racism, but I get squidgy about talking about solutions. I think the biggest solution that we can offer that I feel comfortable offering is saying, you know, we should listen to minority voices more often because the last thing the world needs is another white person saying how race relations should go. 
just stop being bad people. Maybe that's what I can say to the white people. If we just stop being bad on this issue, that that's that's a start. But in my own discomfort on talking about those issues, cisgendered writers and heterosexual writers do not have a problem with using LGBT characters and LGBT coding to get their points across. And that's where this can become problematic. Some people are very well-meaning. The Riker has sex with an androgyne episode. It, it, it came from a good place. Like, they were trying to find a way to discuss these issues in a way that they felt that they could get on television at that point where there weren't really that many out gay characters. Actually, I don't know that there were any out gay characters when that episode aired. I can't remember if that was before or after Ellen came out on television. But it it, it came from a good place. It's just they, they should have consulted with someone before they did it. And that's really what I'm saying here. I, I'm not saying that heterosexuals cannot write gay characters. I'm not saying that cisgender people can't write trans characters. Those are all things that can happen. And do happen. And sometimes are done very, very well. What I am trying to say is that we have to be very careful when we're trying to include a marginalized group into our fiction, and especially into fiction that requires world-building not accidentally further marginalizing them or feeding the narratives against them. That's where we have to be very careful, and that's where I get nervous when I see a character like Nia Null, who is not only an alien, she's a half-alien, so that might be why she's weird. It helps just having a trans character on a television series and on a television series that has been as popular as Supergirl has. But we have to be so careful. Don't get me wrong. I like Dreamer. I think Dreamer is a great character. I think Dreamer is played very well. I think she is written very well. I'm excited to see what they do going forward and hopefully they do go forward with her. But we have to watch out for the othering. Because it happens way too often where the gay character is the alien. The queer character is the alien. The trans character is the alien. And while, yes, in the 90s when I was growing up, I could very easily see the queer coding in X-Men comics, for example, and see myself represented in the othering of the X-Men. I think we're at a point where we can be more open. I think we're at a point where we can be more honest. And that open honesty is really what we need right now. We need to be able to say who we are why we're here, and why we deserve respect. That we're not people who are mentally ill. We're not people who are half and half. 
We're not people who woke up one day and went, huh, I'm going to change my gender because that sounds fun. These are hard realizations to come to. They are difficult realizations to admit about ourselves. And when we start seeing that in media, that's when true representation will really start. But I understand baby steps. We're getting there. It, it is getting better. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about at Shore Leave that for some reason didn't make it onto the schedule. I think it's because it had the word trans in it. Just saying. Not, not, not sure. Not 100% on that. Still trying to get some answers. But yeah. That's what it feels like. I would love to know what you think. I really would. If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the show, in the show notes, you'll find a link to the um, voice message system. You will have to sign up for an account because we do not accept anonymous voice messages, but say who you are, your preferred pronouns would be nice, and you don't have to like say who you are, you can just say what you want to be referred to as. And whatever your question and comment is, I would love to hear from you. I really like using those on the show. When we first got started on Anchor, we got a lot more of those. And I don't know, it's weird that they've tapered off the way that they have. If you want to hit me up on social media, the easiest place is on Twitter. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I'm CE Dorset on both. We do have a Facebook page and some people contact us there. And that's awesome. Uh, you can find links to all of that over at projectshadow.com. If you haven't already, please take a moment to rate this podcast. It really does help out a lot. And if you get a buck you can throw my way, it helps out more than you could possibly know. In the show notes, you'll find a link to both the Patreon and the Community Support tab. The only real difference between the two is people on Patreon occasionally get stuff. So, yeah. If you can help out, if you can join the project, really would mean a lot to me. If you don't have the money or you don't feel like giving right now, that's okay. Don't worry about it. But if you know somebody you think would like this podcast, do share it with them. That helps out a lot, too. Alrighty, I've got a lot going on. Hopefully, you're liking the big changes over at Project Shadow. There are more coming. It's, it's a slower project than I hoped, but I'm excited. Until next time, don't forget to have the fun. Bye.